Ito ang Ice Garden. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Top Shelf where we keep the hot takes and the hard liquor. I'm Hannah Beavis here with your co-host Michelle J. Michelle, how you doing? I'm good. Um, my feet are cold, but that's... My feet are always cold. So. That sounds like a you problem. Yeah. Just yeah. like the floor, like it's drafty on the floor of my house, of mm. my apartment, so like my feet are always cold no matter how many or my ankles i learned this week that my ankles get really cold mm. yeah it's kind of a problem are you wearing like socks or slippers does that not really help um well so when i was like oh just my feet are cold i was wearing slippers but i wear when i'm working from home usually like cropped running tights like like capri length ones or mm. like these sweatpants that they're not too short on me. They're, like, supposed to be short on you. Mm-hmm. So it, like, leaves my ankles exposed. Michelle, so, I think I have the answer to your problem. I know. Just put taller socks on. <laughs> but I don't like wearing socks. I really only like wearing slippers because, like, I like my feet. And I like wearing slippers that are, like, a size too big because then my feet can move. I'm like, <laughs> my feet are very constricted. It's a huge problem for me. It's- I just love how there's, like, this these, like... Very specific factors that are all yeah. contributing to your feet being cold. Pretty much, yeah. So, my next attempt, I think, is leg warmers. Or just maybe wearing pants that go all the way down. Yeah, I think getting leggings that would cover your ankles is going to be a good step, and then you can wear slippers and you'd be okay. Or, alternatively, get used to wearing socks. Yeah, I don't like socks. I love socks. I have... I think it's it's easier to wear socks also if they're, like, fun socks. Mm. I have some socks that have, like, curse words on them that are really cute and, like, some fun colors you can mix and match. Yeah, I don't know. I just never – my toes like to breathe. They like to mm. have space to move on their own and not be, like, crammed in next to each other. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I like fun socks. I appreciate fun socks. But in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm going to take these off within five seconds of getting home, so – that's the point yeah pretty much that's where i come down to it that's fair i did find this like really fun sock store though in boston uh yeah at the mall though they're all over the place it's like a national company Mm -hmm. i don't even as i say this i would it would be great if i could remember the name of it but i can't stacked stocked stoked Mm. something like sta and then like end with a but like not exactly like that i don't know i'm trying to think the last time or well not the last time a few visits ago when i was in boston i found a sock store or that was one of the things that they sold was like not designer socks but like fun socks stance Mm. that's what it's called kind of expensive socks but i got some fun socks yeah uh what are you drinking tonight uh Nothing, not even water because I can't find my water bottle right now. Um, um, but I, so we went to the movies today and we were like mm-hmm. out driving and then I was gonna like, in my mind I was like, oh I'll stop on the way home because we also need like um, tortilla chips and something else for dinner tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so we get out of the movie theater and we go to our car and the person that has parked next to us has parked at such an angle that I can't get into the driver's seat. <laughs> So naturally, I'm in a really shitty mood now, right? Like, yeah. really shitty mood. Yeah. Um, and that shitty mood continued on the drive home, and I forgot to stop. Mm. So I don't have anything. So we should blame the person who parked their car next to you. Yeah. Is what and I'm it hearing. was like, okay, so it was, ugh. <laughs> You're going to get you all worked up just so, like... Like, people park like assholes at this movie theater all the time, and I should mm. know that. 
But this guy parked like an extra asshole. He was like, it was, of course, it was like a BMW or Mercedes Benz or like some fancy smanchy car next to my like beat up Prius. But he was literally parked on an angle in a straight parking spot. Mm. And like his wheels weren't even straight. Right. And so like, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll climb over because like, you never know when the person in the car is next to you is going to come out of their movie. Mm -hmm. Because like. It was a different car than that was that was there when we got to our movie. So I'm like, fine, I'll, I'll climb over the center console of my car. Like, thankfully we have a Prius, so like, it's not that big of a thing. But like, have you ever tried to do that? Uh, I don't think I have. It's no. really hard to do, no matter what size you are. And of yeah. course, as I'm like trying to climb over, this like old white dude comes out and sees me trying to climb over the center console of my car, like, mumbles a half-assed sorry and just, like, gets in and drives away. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was, like, usually Chris would be, like, don't say anything to them. It's not worth it. He was, like, you could say something. But by the time I, like, registered that I was allowed to say something, he was already in the car. So I just glared at him as he drove away. <laughs> you, like, yell after him. That's right. <laughs> Leave. Yeah. So that, like, derailed the rest of the drive home. Because I was going to stop. There's this place on the way home from the movie theater that's just called, like, like Nine West Wine, which is literally the road I was driving on. <laughs> Nine West. And they just, like, called it Nine West Wine. Appropriate. But I was so mad that I forgot. Mm, that's a tragedy. Yeah. So blame the person next to me that parked like an asshole. Anyway, what are you drinking? Um, I'm drinking tea tonight. No, just no alcohol, but I did like I have a drink. vanilla bean like dessert tea, and then I combined it with a blueberry tea that I have. It's not very strong on its own, so it was like a just a little bit of blueberry in it, hmm. which was really nice. You always drink the strangest things, Hannah. I don't think that's strange. The reason the reason I tried this was because at a friend's house that I was at recently, they had a black blueberry tea, and I drink black tea instead of coffee in the morning, and I like blueberries and blueberry tea, and that tea tasted very good, so I was trying to kind of Frankenstein my own <laughs> blueberry tea, but I didn't want to drink more black tea because it's we're recording at night, and if I have more caffeine, then I will also be up late, and I don't need that, so... I paired it with a dessert tea instead, and it was very good. I would say of the weird things that I've drank, this does not rank that high on the list. I think it's more the vanilla bean tea. I drink a lot of, like, milk teas, or I put milk in a lot of my tea, so I prefer mm-hmm. sweeter stuff to, like, floral. Ah, uh, see, I'm more of, like, a floral, fruity tea kind of person. Mm. Like, the one I would have drank has, like, apple and hibiscus and ginger... Ginger tea I can get behind. Apple tea I can get behind. I just, if it's too flowery, I'm not really, that's, that's not my favorite thing. Mm. I've, I like a lot, I've been drinking like a ginger lemon honey thing. There's a cafe near me that has like a hot drink with those three things in it that's really good. Ginger very... lemon honey? Mm-hmm. That sounds pretty good. I had to kind of sit there and parse out what you said, sorry. Yeah, no, it's a, it's I don't know if it's a combo that I would have thought of myself, but the three of them work very well yeah. together. It's a very good winter drink. Mm. Because so, I, the no, only the only other alcohol I have in here is the Malibu rum, and I knew that you were going to roast me <laughs> if I just mixed that with, like, lemonade or orange juice like I have. So I'm like, I'm going to have tea instead. I always roast you. I know. Um, we have made, in the in the summer, we'll make this, like, red ribus tea. And then we'll put either vodka or gin in it, depending on, and sometimes tequila. And that Um, tastes okay? Yeah, it tastes really good. Interesting. It's really good with the the tequila. It's almost like a margarita. It actually is a margarita because we'll put lime in it. Um, Hmm. Chris likes it with the gin and with the vodka, it's pretty good too. I'm always afraid to mix alcohol with tea because I feel like it's so strong that it can overwhelm it. The alcohol or the tea? The, the alcohol will overwhelm the tea. Guess it what kind of alcohol you are you in putting there. in your tea? I'm not, because I'm afraid of it. Oh. So we'll, like, oversteep the... Or, not oversteep, mm. but we'll, like... Brew it very strong. Yeah. Like, we'll, like, double up the bags. Like, we'll get okay. a box specifically to make, like, 
quote-unquote mixer tea with, if that makes sense. Interesting. I'm going to have to try this. Yeah. The Do red ribis with, the, with a little bit of lime juice and tequila is really good. I give that a try. With tacos. <laughs> and without <laughs> tacos. But usually we have tacos with it. We have like homemade taco night. I don't mm. know. Homemade Mexican restaurant night. With alcoholic tea, margaritas. Yeah. With, because we, like, we've had like hibiscus margaritas before. So mm. this is basically that, just without like hibiscus tea. Interesting. Yeah, it's really good. Try it out. Yeah, I will. Uh, I have so one you... last drink question for you, though, because yes. this is something that came up recently. When you make hot chocolate, do you make it with water or milk? Water, usually. Huh. I will pour some milk to top it off, but I have, like, an actual kettle that I put on the stove, mm. so I don't want to put milk in there. I just put hot water. Yeah, you should not put milk in that. Yeah, that would be a bad idea. That would yeah. uh, of bad ideas that I've had, that would be... Up near the top. So I will usually top it off with a little bit of milk. And sometimes, um, if I want it to be extra sweet, some like my uh, creamer that I use. Hmm. Okay, that's all. Just was wondering. <laughs> this is a recent conversation I had with my friends. So I'd say I prefer, I would prefer hot chocolate with milk. It's just not, I just don't want to deal with, deal with it. Yeah, it was kind of a process to heat the milk up. and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so who are you toasting tonight? Tonight I am toasting um, an entire team of humans, of players. Um, I am toasting BU's women's hockey team for sweeping BC this weekend as they played a home-and-home home uh, battle of Comav on Friday and Saturday night. Pretty impressive. I was thought a little... farther ahead, I would have looked up their scores, but I didn't, so. I know at least one was close to a blowout, because at one point it was 5-0. I, saw I think it was, one was 6-0. to zero. I know they shut them out one day. I think they Oof. shut them out at BU, which was pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you got the home crowd. Yeah. You can call a crowd. This torch wow. shows up to women's hockey's games, but... Well. Um. Oh, okay. I found the scores. They won five to nothing on Friday night and two to one on Saturday afternoon. Mm. So big doings. Yeah, it's very exciting. Very very exciting. Who are you toasting? So kind of also along that line, uh, I wanted to toast the Colorado Avalanche social person. Um, for um, Jesse Comfer plays for B U. Yeah. Um. And JT Comfer is on the Avs. Um, and so they were in Boston. I guess, I don't know if the, the... They played the Bruins today. Yeah, I would assume that's why they were there. And so while they were there, they went over to one of the games and covered it from their, like, NHL account. Which I really enjoyed. Like, that's such a big platform. And to promote, like, women's hockey in that way, in a way that's related to your team, I thought was very smart. And I was very excited to see so i wanted to toast them yeah they've been really good with toast uh, toasting with um <laughs> promoting jesse whenever she plays um i think it was either worlds or u18 or something where she mm. was playing they also were tweeting about it and i think they like hosted a watch party for it um it, it was, makes me- it's pretty impressive I think they're trying to get, like, the best Comfer hashtag going because, like, there was the best Kessel hashtag for a while mm. with Amanda and Phil. So now I think they're trying to get best Comfer going with um, JT and Jesse, which. Yeah. It was it was cool to see JT actually at the game, and I think their whole family was there, too. Um, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there's one more, at least one more Comfer child. I'm not sure. Off the top of my head. Um, I saw JT but, was there with the, like a, the camera trying to take pictures of some yeah. of the action. Yeah. Uh, so cheers to them. Yeah, cheers. Okay. This episode, we are talking about the NWHL because we're at approximately the halfway point. We're a little early when we're actually recording this, but next week there's only um, one series going on, and the week after that is approximately the halfway point for most teams. So we wanted to take a look back and see where everything is shaking out. 
Um, so standing so far this year, Boston is 11-0. They still have not lost. Um, Buffalo's in second place in the standings with a record of 5-4-1 and one, um, with 10 games played. The Whitecaps are right behind them with 4-3-0-1 oh, um, with 8 games played, so they have a couple games in hand. The Riveters have 2 wins, 6 losses, and 1 uh, overtime shootout loss. Um, in Who, nine wait, games. Where were you? Riveters. No, the Riveters have a win. That's what OTW What's the one at the end that's overtime win? Yeah. Okay. 2-6-1 uh, with an overtime win against the Whitecaps in nine games played. And the Whale are still winless. Um, they have a point because they lost an overtime to Buffalo in ten games played. And if you go further back, the Whale are in a 21-game losing streak, which, which is, is an ideal. That's rough. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, that goes back over more than a calendar year at this point since the Whale have had a win. When's the last game they won? Um, it was in Pittsburgh against the Riveters, I think. Uh, December 2nd oh. of last year in Pittsburgh. Yeah, so more than a calendar year. Yeah. And, like, it's really tough because I don't think that they've played poorly enough to have not won a game. Like, yeah. I think they should have at least one win this year. They've just had some tough bounces or gone up against hot goaltenders. It's tough. I think, like, this season they definitely should have had at least one win. Um, they are much better than 0-10. Um, I just... They've had, like you said, they've had some bad bounces, and I think, like, of all the teams, they struggled to put together, like, a full 60 minutes, mm -hmm. um, because they were up, they were up four to nothing against Buffalo at one point, mm -hmm. and came back to, uh, came back to lose, and then Buffalo came back to win in overtime, um, in Buffalo, which was huge for Buffalo, not so mm -hmm. huge for the whale. Uh, and then today, when they played the Riveters in an afternoon game, they went down 2-0, but then came back and scored two yeah. two goals to force uh, – they didn't force overtime, but to force a game-winning goal, which is, like, pretty big for them. Um, I just it's, – it's I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I think, like, not being able to put together a full 60-minute game is – plaguing them the worst out of all of the teams and just not being able to like finish like I feel like they they aren't a team that can capitalize on their momentum very well mm -hmm. Buffalo is streaky but they have players where like Taylor Kersey like Curran Bowie who I think can like step up when the moment needs it and like kind of bury the dagger and I don't, the Whale have struggled to do that so far this year. And it speaks, I think, to what you said, Michelle, where they're, they're struggling to put together 60 minutes. Like, there are a couple heartbreakers that they should have had in the bag, that 4-0 lead especially. And the thing with them, too, is, like, when you, like, when I look at them and I look at their roster this year, they don't have that much turnover. Mm -hmm. They returned 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, do I count right? Yeah, they returned 10 players. Um, and that includes players like Shannon Doyle, um, Elena Orlando, Jordan Brickner, who did go out hurt in today's game and didn't return. But then they also have like three-year players like Casey Anderson and Hannah Beattie, who like you would think that that would help, especially since like that's a fairly strong defensive core mm -hmm. right there. Um, Doyle, Orlando, and Brickner all playing defense. And like, I just, it just feels like something hasn't clicked with the whale ever. Do you, is this a goaltending issue, do you think? Or alternatively, even well, though there's, there hasn't been a lot of turnover on the roster, they do have a new head coach in Colton Orr. So who is did this, come quote unquote late mm -hmm. because of um, Battle of the Bands. Nope. Battle of the Blades. <laughs> Plot twist. <laughs> Plot twist. It was a musical show. 
yeah, we just you just didn't know it. Um, I mean, you have to wonder if that played a little bit into it, but also like, I don't really know how much that plays into it because like. Last year, they they had the same coach as the year before, Ryan Aquale. Mm-hmm. They had Mary Reisman in net, yeah, and they still only won what one game, two games, one maybe, maybe two, and then Reisman got hurt, which didn't yeah. help them. But like, so it's I don't know. La- I thought last season. Okay, they won two games last season. Um, I felt like last season they could have, like, was their best chance just because they had the most consistency. Mm-hmm. They stayed in the same place. Equale was back. Um, they had a fair amount, like, even more returners last year. Mm-hmm. And I think Ryzen and Annette was a really good, like, rock for them. Yeah. But I don't, and then they only went, one, only, oh, oh, then they only won two games. Yeah. And you look at this year and you're like, okay, well, like maybe this is their year too because they returned 10 players. Yes, they did move. Yes, they have a new goaltender. Yes, they have a new head coach. But everybody is returning for the large amount. Everybody is um, building new teams. And with 10 returners, does that give them the edge? And then mm-hmm. they don't it's win just, a game. Yeah, it's just been difficult for them to put together a full game. And also, too, for me, their special teams have not been very mm. good. Their their power play, I guess, in particular, has not been very good. They've really struggled with the extra skater. And, like, in some of these games, they've been given ample opportunity to to take a lead or to score with the extra skater and just haven't been able to do anything with it. And, like, when you, like, looking at that, to me, that points most to, like, inconsistency in coaching. Yeah, I want to know who's in charge of that. Yeah. I mean, they have Laura Brennan, Laura Brennan, um, former goaltender as an assistant coach and probably also goaltending coach. And then they have someone else on the bench whose name I don't know off the top of my head. And also um, Mike, Mike Benelli. Yeah. And also, like, I'm not sure what how much he has, how much experience he has with them or as coaching. But yeah. I don't know. Just feels like. I do think they'll get a win at some point this year um, if they can get their power play together. Because yeah. I don't like I don't think that this is a team that you look at it at the beginning of the season and you go, yeah, they're going to lose every single game. Like, oh, they've got some really not. talented, like, they have a lot of returners on defense. You've got players, like, Sonia Shelley has been good in net. Mm-hmm. You have players like Casey Anderson, who's been really good. Um, Emma Vlasic has been really good on the blue line. Yeah. Elena Orlando, Brooke Walechko, Maddie Evangelou, Morissette, Beauty. Like I mean, and Emma Vlasic's like face-off percentage is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like she's winning like a large majority of their face-offs, but somewhere something's breaking down. Yeah. I think if they could get some more traffic in front of the net, like that could help them. Because yeah. I if you're going to have to score, if you're going to have to get lucky or get some puck luck, like if you can take away a goalie's line of sight, if you can get somebody to tip something in front of the net and get some more people to maybe pick up a rebound, that's going to help. And that's something where I think they can improve on as a team. Yeah. Well, hopefully. I, I mean, I don't think they're going to go winless this season. I really don't. I really hope not. Fuck <laughs> on win. Uh, and then kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, Boston here hasn't lost a game. I think we've talked about this before, too. We talked about it last time we did an NWHL look. But, like, I talk about this all the time. But I really think, like, the amount of offensive threats that they have as a team is really what sets them apart. Mm-hmm. Um, they have eight players with that are averaging more than one point per game. Um Seven of them are forwards, and uh, Kaylee Fratkin is a defender, and also in that set. 
and they have two others that are averaging 0.9 points per game. So, like, basically a point per game. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's all... That's your entire offensive core averaging 0.9 or more points per game. Boston like, doesn't Boston what? doesn't have like a first line, a second line, a third line. It's like three first lines. Yeah. They just have lines. And like the fun thing about that is um like when one line struggles, another line is right there to pick it up, which we saw at their last home game last weekend when the first two lines they were playing the Riveters and the first two lines were struggling to get anything done. And then out comes um, Emily Fluke, Alyssa Wolfmeyer, and I don't remember who's on the third line with them, but someone else. Mm-hmm. And they came out and scored like three of the five goals for the uh, on the on the game, which like mm-hmm. no other team can boast that they have a forty-four goal differential, That's plus wild. forty-four. They've scored sixty-three goals on the season in eleven games. Yeah. So That's averaging, like, um, is that averaging like eight goals a game? Um, sixty-three goals divided by eleven. Five games. and a half. Okay, five and point so seven goals per game. But yeah, that's like crazy. Yeah, that's a lot. And then, like, not even looking at the offense, like the blue line is like pretty consistent too. It's pretty deep, and you've got Lavisa Salander as your goalie. Like, there is yeah. no, there is no weak spot on this team. And even when you don't. Like, uh, Victoria Hansen backed them up. It's quote unquote their backup and started against the whale, got a shutout, started today because we're recording on Sunday this week. Uh, started against the Riveters when Lovisa, or that was yesterday. I definitely know what day they played. <laughs> um, started yesterday against the Riveters because Lovisa is with the Swedish national team and still got a win. Like, She's the only goalie in the NWHL so far with a shutout, which I find yes. very interesting in a league with like Louisa Slander and Mariah Fujimagari and Sam Walther playing really well too. Like, yeah, there's just no, there's no weakness. Yeah, there's really, I mean, I would say their biggest weakness is their power play sucks. Mm. Um, sensing a trend. And what? I said I'm sensing a trend. Yeah, special teams. Uh, and that they like definitely still have trouble putting together a full 60 minutes the last two games they came out against the Riveters and like didn't look super great at the start Um, but I think where they excel also is that they can rebound off that a lot better than other teams Um, and while they might not be able to play a full 60 they can play like a full 50 when another team can only play like 30 Uh that's the thing because they can outskate basically any opponent at this yeah. point. Yeah, I just they're locked and loaded and I think a team to be reckoned with. It's talking a little bit about special teams, like if the the Pride are struggling, the Whale are struggling, but we've had a lot of like power play opportunities this yeah. year. Like in general, there have been five hundred and fifty nine penalty minutes assessed so far this season, which is a lot. Yeah. And there were 23 penalties in yesterday's Pride Riveters game. 23. <laughs> Did anyone get kicked out? No. They just kept calling penalties. Oh, my God. In one game, that's wild. Yeah. Like, at one point, the Riveters, I think, had, like, four people in their penalty box. Holy shit. It's just, like, how, like, I don't know. I think, I think, playing the Riveters, I think, maybe a team that is not quite as quick as the Pride do you maybe have to take more penalties to try and keep up with them? Like if you're a step, if you're a step behind and you hook or you are trying to get an edge, is that something maybe that happens more often? I don't know. I think. Uh, I, I mean, just, it maybe depends on the refs who are calling it. Because like I was watching the Connecticut Whitecaps, and Connecticut had like six or seven different power plays, and that's yeah. the Whitecaps are a team that can probably outskate Connecticut when push comes to shove, at least in some of their lines. And the penalties, like, from yesterday's game were pretty even. Mm. You know, there might be, like, a stretch of three on the Pride, but then there'll be, like, a stretch of three on the Riveters. Okay. Um, so it's not, I don't know, it's just, in my opinion, like, the roughing has been all over the place this season. Yep. <laughs> Which, like, yep. I don't know, I'm not 
good enough or like maybe not good enough, but like I'm not like the kind of person who can look at that and say like it's because of X, Y, and Z or like yeah, we've had X, Y, and Z refs and they've called one, two, and three numbers of penalties, but just like there's just been a lot of penalties. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's like severely impacting the flow of the games. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've noticed that in the games that I've watched too. I feel like there's a whistle like every other minute. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, like we'd like to see them play. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like even in yesterday's game, like the Pride Riveters game, with 23 penalties called, like I still even like, the, the referees still lost control of the game. Oh, jeez. And like that's not something you can have happen, but I think that also happens when you're calling every single little thing. Yeah, yeah. If you don't give them some leeway, like there is a lot of like, like little little shit that goes on that yeah. doesn't always get called. But like, is that maybe cross checking or like hooking? Yeah, but could you let it go? Probably. Probably. Like I don't know. Just the inconsistencies. Yeah. Less than great. I'm looking at the 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 special team statistics in that Minnesota is currently the best team on the power play. They've got ten power play goals on thirty two opportunities, so they're averaging about one every three uh penalty calls, which wow. is probably but I'm trying to think comparatively, they've gotten the fewest power play opportunities of these teams. And that might be because, like, they've only played eight games. Buffalo's yeah. played ten. Boston's played eleven. Connecticut's played ten. Metropolitan's played nine. The ice card is The ice card is I don't know. One of the questions that I had, um, in this doc before we play this episode, if Boston is a clear number one team, do we have a clear number two? Because this this middle of the pack feels a little... You got Buffalo technically in second, but the Whitecaps are right behind them with two games in hand. The bu- I'm a little surprised at how Buffalo has been doing this year. I think I, think I expected the Whitecaps to have a, a firmer hold in, with the second place in the, in the league. But... Buffalo has shown that they're they're legit, I think. Yeah, I mean the Whitecaps are definitely an interesting anomaly because if you look at them, they brought back a lot of players. Yeah, but what they lost, I think, might outweigh what they brought back, or even what they gained. You know, they lost Kendall Coyne Schofield, who, even though she didn't practice with the team, like probably didn't really need to yeah she's very talented Uh, yeah and she knows how to make she's very hockey smart and so I think like a player like that can really see what's going on on the ice and adjust to that quicker um you they lost Lee Steckline they lost Hannah Brandt um some big talent names that I think really helped them stand out last year I think they, um, they lose a lot of the depth that yeah is what makes Boston so good they still have very talented players like they have um uh, Thunstrom, they have Jonah Curtis, like, they just don't have the same kind of depth that they did last year. Yeah, and sometimes I think, too, that, like, players play better when they're playing with better players. hmm yeah. And I think, like, a really, really good look at that is Emily Fluke. Yeah. Who's, was good with, was really good with the, um, the whale. But then we look at her this season when she's playing with the pride and with some like really top caliber players. And she's really, she looks incredible this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think some of that is what we see with the white caps too, is the players that are there looked better playing with better players. It's interesting because like a player who I kind of forgot about until I was like covering for this episode, Audra Richards mm-hmm. went to Minnesota, who I think we thought was going to be a, like a big loss for the Riveters and a big get for Minnesota. She has three points so far. Yeah. Here, which like last year for the Riveters, she was one of their top scorers. And like, it's interesting because I think I thought the Riveters were losing a significant player. They got Kate Leary, who's been mm-hmm. really well. And then you've got Audra who's kind of disappeared on Minnesota. Probably some of that comes down too to like, 
how do you gel with the players you're playing with now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think Audra played really, really well with her line on the, um, on the, uh, Riveters. Yeah. And just maybe isn't gelling that well with the Whitecaps players. Uh-huh. Because, yeah, I was also a little surprised with how we've not really seen her. I wonder how much special teams time she's getting. Because she's one of the top players on the Riveters, so I imagine she got a lot of power play time. Uh-huh. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, and the Whitecaps, I think, like, have had kind of a wonky schedule where they've been off for a while, and yeah, we haven't seen them in a while. Uh, I think, like, I think they're still going to end up finishing second overall. It's just, I was intrigued at, but Buffalo is streaky, I think, which we've talked about before, and that they're had, they do struggle, I think, to put together 60 minutes of play. Fujimagari has been really good for them in that and has kept them in games until they can find, like, mm-hmm. um, like that extra gear. Sorry. Also, I'm just continually impressed by how fast Taylor Recursi is. Like, I know. She's incredible. Um, um, true second team. I'm still stuck on that question. Do you not think the Whitecaps necessarily are still... I think on paper... On paper, yes. But I just... The thing that trips me up with saying that is that... Is that one... Is that Riveter's game. Mm. And I think, like, another thing that's hard with them, too, is they have three losses. And it's really hard to look at a team and say how they look against... It's, It's hard to look at some of these teams and judge where they are... Because they haven't, some of them haven't played anybody but the river, uh, but the but the pride, like the riveters. Yeah, have really only played the pride. <laughs> they played them like five games or something ridiculous. So yeah. I think, for me at least, it's hard to say who the number two team is because, like, part of me wants to say the riveters, but also like they've played the pride and the whale. I think that's an interesting. Yeah, that's something that I hadn't really thought of because, like, I feel like watching the ribs against the whale, like, the ribs do have kind of, like, that finishing, like, the Madison Packer captaining that team, I think, has really, like, been important for them. Yeah, I mean, like, so let's, looking at the Riveters' schedule, they played, oops, that's the entire league schedule. I was like, <laughs> that does not make any sense as I'm trying to speak. Um, they played Boston once. Uh, once, twice, three, four, five times. They played the whale twice and the whitecaps twice. Interesting. And they and split. Like, they split the series with the whitecaps, and they've won both against the whale. Correct. Yeah. And they lost all of them against Boston. Hmm. It's just like how do you like that makes it so hard, at least for me, to judge who a second place team is when yeah. like we don't have no offense like quality games for them. I think. This this weekend against Minnesota will be huge to see how they play. Yeah, absolutely. Especially because they're going to be on the road. Yeah. That's a really Again. interesting... That's a really good point. I think that's really fair. That maybe we need to see a little bit more of the Riveters playing against opponents that are probably more at their level. Yeah. Have any players surprised you so far? Um, no. Well, <laughs> I mean... I think we've kind of covered them. Like, Kate Leary looks really, really good. And I think she's another one who plays better when she plays with better players. Because, like, when she was with the Blades, we always knew she was good. Yeah. But I think, like, we've really seen how good she is now that she's playing on the top line with the Riveters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I really love Kendall Cornine right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I apologize and Brooke for Baker. her name in all of our mm-hmm. previous episodes. I thought her name was Corinne until I started watching the games. And I was like, oh, I've been reading this wrong the whole time. <laughs> Kendall Cornine? Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I only know it because she said it once in front of me, and I was like, oh, that's how you say that. Sorry, uh, I cut you off. Who else were you talking about? Well, just her whole line with Brooke Baker and mm-hmm. Mallory Rushton, I think the three of them, who had never played together at RIT. They were friends, but they never played on the same line until they got to the NWHL. Huh. Um, yeah, which I thought was fascinating. When they told me that, I was like, you got to be kidding me, right? And yeah. Like, nope. They're like, but we're really good friends, and they all live together at one of their parents' houses. <laughs> which is I love so it. cute. Um, but they've been like such a breakout line and so good for the Riveters. And I think like 
if they can come together a little bit more and then add to the Riveters um, top line of, uh, I think Callie Hutchinson, Kaylee Hutchinson, Mm -hmm. Madison Packer and Kate Leary have been on that top line together. That's like two pretty, pretty strong lines for them to be playing, Mm -hmm. which could really be a huge boost to them. And Sam Walther in that has been a really good, I think she is someone who surprised me in a good way. Uh I, I think at the beginning of the season, we were concerned about, whether or not she could take the starting position and she has definitely said mm-hmm. yes she's here for that task um i think fuji uh, mariah fuji majari we knew could play well from playing in the mm-hmm. blades but again i think like playing better with better players having a defense that can help her out more has mm-hmm. i think elevated her game she's just so cool and calm and collected and yeah like she she has kept debuts in games I think certainly the defense in front of her, I think helps, but when she, you know, when they make a defensive lapse, she's usually in a very sound position to yeah. make the save. Did you see the Buttes Twitter video where you had to guess who the guest skater was? I and did. it was her. It was her? It was crazy. Oh, yeah. I didn't see the answer. I saw the, the video, but I wasn't yeah, sure. Yeah, it was her and someone's skaters. <laughs> like it, they, she like borrowed someone's equipment or something, which is crazy. That's funny. Um, um, I guess along the same lines, like Kelsey Newman has looked so good this season and the mm-hmm. couple of games she's gotten to start and play in. Um, yeah, I guess, I don't really know. I guess those are my biggest surprises. None of them are really surprises. Like, whoa. More K- like Kayla yeah. Menigan has been pretty good for Connecticut, like considering the oh, team yeah. hasn't won any games, but I think she's someone who has stepped up in a big way. Oh, Cassidy McPherson on the Buttes has mm-hmm. been, like, crazy good. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that would be my big surprise is Cassidy McPherson, like, a player that kind of came out of nowhere to play really, really well. Yeah. Because a lot of the players we've talked about, we knew were going to play well. Yes. Yeah. But I think Cassidy and then the um, RIT line at the Riveters, Yeah. that's my official answer. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you mentioned this in our preview episode, but the the two Czech skaters, Iveta Klimasova and Lenka Kermova mm-hmm. for the Buttes, uh, they have lived up to expectations. They've been oh, really yeah. good. For sure. Um, who else? Yeah, I think Audra has surprised me in a in a bad way. I hope she can turn it around because I think she is a really talented skater. She just needs to find um, yeah. some teammates that she can click with. Um, yeah, I think those are my main ones. Um... Do you have award season predictions? Where do we want to start? So we've got the we've got best goaltender, best defender, best newcomer, and MVP. Uh, let's start at goaltender. Okay. Then let me pull up some statistics. Think. I guess for me, like, whenever because like this is a media vote, and I voted last year. Um, for me, like, the big question of, is, like, how do you define these awards? Especially, mm-hmm. like, goaltender and defender. And I guess MVP. Newcomer is more, like, an overall for the league kind of thing for me, at least. But, like, how do you define, like, who the best goaltender is? Is it a, is it a goaltender that, like, her team helps her look really good? Like, Lovisa, mm-hmm. who is, like, 9-0. and Um or is it a player like like Sam Walther or like Mariah Fujimajari who their team isn't racking up the wins, but they're keeping their team in games. Mm-hmm. They're playing like really, really well. Because like for me, I think it could go either way. Like Sam Walther right now is, is up there for me. Same with Lovisa. Um, I think it just comes down to like how do you – like, how do you as a person defend, uh, define this mm-hmm. as, as well as, like, defender and also MVP? Though I guess, like, MVP is, like, MVP of the whole league. That, that to me, is, like, I have a harder time with that And that do you pick the most valuable player, like, the best player in the league, or do you pick the player who is the most valuable to her team? Because I think that kind of plays into what you're talking about with the goalie. Do you give it to the player with the best numbers, who is, I think, obviously right now, Louisa Slander is running away she's got nine wins she's got a nine four six save percentage 1.79 goals against like 
is lights out, but her defense is the one that's strongest in front of her. Are we looking at, like, somebody like McKenna Brand or Julianne Dempsey from the Boston Pride who are averaging almost two points a game because they're scoring almost six goals a game? Or do you pick someone like Kendall Cornine or Taylor Accursi or Boulier, like like a valuable player to her team? The For the goaltending question, the my first gut instinct is Mariah. Um, just because I think she's been really steady for the Buttes. Numbers-wise, though, I, th I think I'm going to be interested to see what the Riveters do the rest of the season, mm -hmm. Michelle, because of what you said earlier, I'm now very interested to see if Sam Walther is in that conversation, if the Riveters go on a win streak. Um, I mean, for me, she's in that conversation already. Like, yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, there's three. She looks so good against teams like, um, she's looked really good against, the, the uh, against, I almost said against the Riveters, against the Pride. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the games could have been blowouts, and I would, there's probably, yesterday was probably a little bit more of a blowout, but, you know, she's held them to five goals, yeah. twice, four goals, um, and then there's a seven and an eight spot in there, but really, like, I just, she's been so good and, like, stood up so much that when she needs to. Yeah. That for me, it's, she's definitely in that conversation for me. Mm-hmm. I what think. about best defender for you? This one is another tough one for me because it's like, do you pick the player who has the most points, like someone like Kaylee Fratkin? Or do you pick like someone like Shannon Doyle or Boulier? I guess Boulier's got quite a few offensive numbers too. Mm -hmm. She's uh, up on the assist leaderboard. Hmm. Give me a minute on this one, I gotta think. Do you have somebody in mind? Um, yeah, I think for me, it's like more of, I don't really have a specific person, more mm -hmm. of like a couple of people, just because I think like, we're still a little early in the season. Mm -hmm. um, I think um, Kaylee Fracken's up there mm -hmm. for me. Uh, Lenica Kermova from the Buttes mm -hmm. is really high up there for me too. Um, she doesn't have like the same type of numbers that other like offensive defenders have, but I think she's up there. Um, Mary Jo, uh, Pelletier from the Buttes. Yeah. She's someone that I was thinking she's of. She's up there. Um, uh, Doyle and then, um, Amanda Boulier. Yeah. How do you, I think, cause Doyle is someone who came to mind too for me. Cause I think she's been, She's a five-year pro. She's someone who's very consistently been um, a backstop of the Wales line. But on a team like Connecticut that allows a lot of goals, mm -hmm. how do we take that into account? Because I do think she should be like at an all-star game, say, like based on her play. But on a team that allows so many goals, how does that impact it? I think it's hard to pin that on like one specific player. Mm -hmm. I feel like... like you're not good because you allow so many goals. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, not Shannon's fault. Yeah. I mean, there's, like, only so much she can do. Mm -hmm. um, she does have a plus minus of minus eight, but that's also because she's out there a lot. Like, right. And, like, I don't think the whale have a positive goal differential. Like, Yeah. She has um, – I mean, she's tied for second on uh, – tied for second in points on her team. Mm-hmm. Um, she's 31 shots on goal. She's 33 blocks. I mean, I think like, yeah, doing what you can on a team like that. Do I think she'll win? No, but she should be in the conversation at least. To put that in perspective, because I uh, the NWHL tracks block shots on here. Uh, Shannon Doyle has blocked 33 shots this season in 10 games. The next highest person is Mary Jo Pelletier. Pelletier. I, I want to say Pelletier. I don't think that's correct. Uh, she has 21 blocks. So yeah. Shannon has 12 blocks higher. And she's doing the thing this year, like the blocks for books. Like every mm -hmm. blocked shot she's is is going to a, a charity. Um, we were talking before that we started recording, though. Like she blocked a shot today and uh, her pinky finger is not looking great. She posted Ugh, a picture yeah. online and like came back and played through and then is like, okay, game's over. I'm going <laughs> to the ER now to make sure my finger's okay. Yeah, that was not a fun looking. No. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Yeah. I think 
Doyle in the conversation, I think Pelletier in the conversation, and probably Fratkin, for sure. Um, how about MVP? MVP, ooh. Or should we do best um, or should we do best newcomer first? No, I'm already thinking about MVP. Okay. Uh, for me, so for me, most valuable player in the entire league. Uh-huh. Um, I lead toward I I lean towards McKenna or Jillian. Yeah. Um uh, Yeah, I mean you can make a case for Kersey or Bowie, but I think probably I'm gonna say McKenna. Yeah. I think McKenna is the first one who pops to my mind. Um she's a little further down the standings, but Madison Packer to me is mm. also like certainly most valuable to her team. Um and is also like has been consistently an all star player, usually at the top of the leaderboard. Um, if Boston, Boston has one, two, three, four, five of the league's top scorers, it's one through five. And then of the top 10, they have seven. So I think if you take Boston players out, um, Madison is up pretty high in terms of scoring. I do think a Kersey, it should be in that conversation. Um, but like if I had to pick right now, it's McKenna Brand and it's like, it's, Although I think she and Dempsey could probably co-win it. Probably that whole first line could co-win it. Yeah. Can we just give it to a whole line? Yes. <laughs> Most valuable. It's an ML- MVL. At NWHL. We, we have an idea for a new award this year. <laughs> um, best newcomer? Does Kate Leary count? Yeah, because um, the way they, they call it a newcomer award because it's not. It's your first year in the NWHL. Your first full season, excuse me. You know what? This so one's like, this one's a tough one because yeah. you've got you've got Leary, you've got Kendall Cornine, also on the Riveters, you've got um, Klimasova and Kermova on Buffalo. You've got Walther's not a newcomer because she's been in the end of yeah. before. You've got Christina Putinia yep. on the Pride. You've got um, oh Alyssa Wolfmeyer doesn't count because she's played before too. Uh-huh. Um, there's someone else from the Pride that I was trying to think of. Uh, who am I missing? Oh, you've got, like, the Carly Taze, uh, uh, Lexi Lang, um, Tori Sullivan line. Yeah. All three rookies. Newcomers, excuse me. Emma Vlasic for Connecticut. Oh, Yeah. I think if she keeps up her play, she's a defender, but I think she's one of the more valuable players on the no, team. No, Vlasic is a forward. Oh, is she? Whoops. Yeah. Never mind. Um, I think goaltender, is it Fujimagari's first year? Yes. Yeah? She would count. So she's maybe Fuji in the... would count. And, um, and Lovisa Slander. Shit. Lovisa would count. I think at the beginning of the season, I predicted that Lovisa would win goaltender and newcomer of the year. She could be in the MVP conversation, too, I think. I think it's tough. Yeah. That that might be tough to win on a team like Boston that scores so many goals, but mm-hmm. uh, she's also a very important part of that team. Um, last year's winners, goaltender was Shannon Zabados, defender was Blake Bolden, newcomer was Joanna Curtis, mm-hmm. um, MVP was Maddie Elia. Interesting. Oh, that's really interesting. <laughs> Yeah. Man, Maddie Elia was good. The Buttes could really use her right now. Yeah. Elia had uh, top the league in goals scored with 12. Oh, my as God. Well as second in overall points. Uh, second to um, Skamura. Top of the league. She with... had seven multi-point games and ended her season with a points per game average over one. Wow. Did I write that? That's not well written. <laughs> Um, so she finished the league. She finished with 12 goals last year. McKenna Brand currently has 12 goals. We are yeah. not even at the halfway point. Like, yeah. holy shit. Uh, the last year's five finalists for MVP were Gigi, Marvin, mm-hmm. Maddie Elia, Mary Reisenin, Joanna Curtis, and Amanda Castle. Interesting. Yes. Very interesting. 
we're going to have a pretty different, I think, based on what we've seen so far, it's going to be a very different look in terms mm-hmm. of top player of the year. Um, yeah, I think if I had to pick somebody right now, probably core nine. But I think there's a lot of space for that to change based on the second half of the season. Yeah. It, this is a th- newcomer of the year. I think is very interesting. That's gonna be yeah. It's gonna be interesting, especially considering that like fifty five percent of the league is newcomers. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to choose from. Well, la 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 Yeah, newcomers. Um, did we talk? We did MVP already, so we've got all mm-hmm. our um. Yeah, because you were like, let's. You asked and then like switched five seconds later. Yeah. I was like, nope. No, nope, we're already here. Um, All Star Game. All-Star we, game. We don't know a location yet, which is, you know, fine. It's just December. At this point last year, we knew where and who. Oh, we had rosters already? Jesus. Yep. We had rosters, like, last week of the, like, like the first week of December last year. Do we, we and have... I only know that because I went looking because I was trying to prep for vacation. Well, on the ice garden just wrote an article about potent, like potential cities that could host the... I wrote that article. Yeah? So do you want to tell us uh, what five cities that you picked? Yeah. I picked... Um, these were... Okay, so let me preface this with, like, we looked at realistic cities. Mm-hmm. Like, cities where I honestly think that they could be held. Um, I did ask in, like, the uh, ice garden Slack, and people were, like, kind of didn't listen to that i would like to see an all-star game in springfield massachusetts yeah we not realistic <laughs> i think mm, that's realistic i could see it i mean yeah okay maybe <laughs> it's probably more realistic than someone was like california and i was like okay no. like maybe but like no not not really um so what you got my list initially actually had danbury connecticut on it but I decided to take it off um, so I could make it five instead of six. Mm. Um, but so my five cities were Boston. Um, the NWHL hasn't held an in-market All-Star game since the first season when it was in Buffalo, which is kind of wild to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boston makes a ton of sense, especially since the All-Star game is probably going to be the first or second weekend in February, which falls right around beanpot season. Mm. So great marketing there. Um Plus, college hockey is so big in Boston, and women's college hockey is so big that, like, give us something. Yeah. Also, I don't want to travel. Yeah, I saw um, that, and I was, you're like, I'm not biased just because this means I wouldn't have to drive anywhere. And I'm like, you are, yeah. th- that is definitely a factor. I but think I also- honestly think that, like, they, it, it's like, the time is ripe for that in Boston. Like, they draw the best crowds. Uh, well, maybe not the best, but they draw consistently large mm-hmm. crowds mm-hmm. spanning back to last season. Um, if they don't want to have it at Warrior, where the capacity is about 800 people, there's n- so many other options. There's Walter Brown, there's. Yeah, um, I didn't Again, think this would that. probably be too big for them, but um, there's Bright Landry at Harvard, there's Compte, which is probably too big for them at BC, there's Matthews, um, which would probably be right around the right size if they close the upper deck. Uh, I didn't even think about the different places that they could play. I was thinking, like, Warrior, which, like, in itself, it doesn't see a ton of people, like 900 to 1,000, but it is a very nice rink. I think Harbor Harbor Center, being the host that first season, was for a similar reason. It was a really Mm -hmm. nice rink, could hold a lot of people. It was, like, a a top-end facility, which Warrior is for sure. Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, I just think, and, like, if you have it at a college, you have the chance to draw in, like, draw from the college area because... Um, a lot of the pride players are from local colleges. Uh, and I just think, I don't know. I just think Boston, give me Boston. Come on, give me something. Um, Detroit, which is kind of out there. Um, it's been, it's been floated before. Yeah. And they've done events in, they've done an event in Detroit, uh, and Madison Packer, is from Detroit mm. or the Detroit area. Um, so I like that. Washington, D.C., which a lot of people have been asking for more women's hockey in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, let's get that non traditional market out there. There's also um, three players in the NWHL that play for the, Lady Car- the Carolina Lady Hurricanes. 
Uh, Colleen Murphy, Tiffany Sue, and Kelsey Newman. Um, So good local connection. Plus Colleen Murphy still lives in North Carolina. And so my last one was Tampa in Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, I wrote, who else is ready for another warm weather all-star weekend? And then remembered that it rained in Nashville. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or I think it rained in Nashville. Um, but so the NWHL has been to Tampa before, twice. They had they had that you remember when we went for forty eight hours? Yes. It was a really twenty four hours. It's a really fun time. Yeah. And then they also had a youth camp down there this off season. Um and we've seen that they just like sometimes just like to host uh, like last year when they hosted it in Nashville, it wasn't like Let's grow the. It wasn't like we're going to expand here. It was like we're just going to put a fucking thing here, <laughs> uh, which I could see with Tampa. I don't really. I could. Uh, you you don't want to do another thing. forty-eight hour adventure in Florida? No, I really don't. Where it rained the whole wanna, time. I don't want to pay for another forty-eight hour adventure to Florida, um, but there's the also added thing with Tampa that Danny Ryland is from Tampa Bay. <laughs> That one, actually, to me, after I read that article, I'm kind of like, I wouldn't be shocked if it was in Tampa, which yeah. I don't think I would think right off the bat, but they have had, they've they've got the connection with Danny Ryland. They played a game down there with the U.S. Uh, women's national team. They did the NWHL, like, all-stars roster against them at a rink in Tampa. So, like, they kind of have... I just don't want to go to Tampa. I, I know, but I... <sighs> I think the the All-Star game has been a place where they can, like, go somewhere new. So as much as Boston makes sense, I'm not sure if that's where they'll end up playing. I know, but I just (laughs) want them to. I think Just give me it. Yeah. I I just want it. I really want to know what these rosters are now. I just want to know. I know. Watch, as soon as we... Like, tomorrow, they'll be like, oh, here's the location, and here's the rosters, and this will all be useless. <laughs> well, if they do, just cut this. Yeah. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, I think the rosters will be interesting. I'd be willing to bet that all of the original players are there. All eight of them. All eight of... So, like, player the five-year players. Yeah. So... That is uh, Shannon Doyle, Elena Orlando, Juliana Dempsey, Kaylee Fratkin, Madison Packer, Corinne Bowie, Kira Dostal, and Jordan Brickner. Who, uh, we did have another question. We've got a little bit of time left. Uh, which player do you think is going to play the longest of that original eight that is still playing? Um, I think it's going to come down to... Oh. This, I, one, um... this is hard. I think Dempsey, Fratty, uh, Packer, and Bowie are going to give each other a run for their money, the four of them. I was going to say, if there's still a team in Buffalo, I think Corinne Bowie will play until she can no longer skate. Yeah. <laughs> um, those are my four of the eight. I think, yeah, those are the four I could see playing the longest with, like, Elena Orlando up there, too. I think Shannon. I don't know why. Don't ask Shannon why. Shannon Doyle might, might stick around for a little bit. Although, if they continue to lose games, she might just, maybe she'll stay around longer and just and so she can end her career on a high streak. She's going to be like, I'm not going to end this on a 21 game losing streak. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. I also yeah. could see Packer playing forever, too. Yeah, Packer playing until they literally have to drag her off the ice. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. It's an interesting question. Um, I think Bowie or Dempsey, probably. Packer is a close second. Um, yeah. Dempsey it, just loves the game so much. Who? Dempsey does. I mean, they all do, but like. Yeah. Dempsey just loves it really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And she's good. Yeah. Like, why would you stop playing? And she's really only gotten better. Yeah. Yeah, you talk about some players need a little bit longer to get into their prime. Dempsey mm-hmm. has flourished the longer she's been in the league. Yeah. Anything else you want to touch on? <sighs> no. Okay. I think, I think that is all. Cool. Where can we find you on Twitter, Michelle? 
at Michelle underscore J-A-Y-3. Where can we find you on Twitter, Hannah? You can find me at Twitter at Hannah underscore Beavis1, B-E-V-I-S. Top Shelf also has a Twitter now. You can find us at Top Shelf underscore pod. Um, so shoot us a follow there. If you have questions that you want us to answer on the show, you can tweet them at Michelle and I or the Top Shelf uh, Twitter using the hashtag Top Shelf Mailbag. Um, please listen and subscribe and tell your friends about us. If you listen on iTunes, leave us a review. That helps us get uh, in front of more people's eyes, and it's an easy way to support the show. Um, thank you for listening, and we are... So we're going to have a, a regular episode next week, correct? Yes, and it'll then, just be me, though. Yeah, right? it'll just be Michelle. Yep, and then... Well, not. I'm not going to talk to myself for 45 minutes. I'll <laughs> have somebody else with me. There will be but. a guest. Um, you don't then, have to listen to me, I promise. And then after that, we're going to have a two-week uh, holiday break um, for Christmas and New Year's. So we will be back in 2020. Um, but until then, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. The Ice Garden. Just... Ooh, my hands smell like fire sauce from lunch today. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> So um, like what? Taco Bell fire sauce. We had Taco Bell because we were at the mall in suburbia. It was great.